Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going Welcome to today's podcast episode. Straight off the bat, I'm going to say this is a good episode and not because of anything at all that I bring to the table, purely because of today's guest. And that guest is psychologist and best-selling author and TEDx speaker, Dr. Abby Medcalf. During our conversation today, we're talking about the number one reason why so many relationships fail. We talk about micromanaging. We talk about ways to come back from feeling like you and your partner are purely existing in a roommate capacity. We talk about desire and things that we can actually do that are going to make a big difference to our romantic partnerships. And I mean, there are things in this conversation that you will definitely take um, into other relationships as well. But particularly, in particular, this conversation is focused on understanding the things that can derail happy relationships and what you can truly do to take control back and take responsibility back and ignite that spark and choose your partner again and again. I really hope that you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Abby. I loved it. I think she's just a ray of light. Make sure you check out our show notes so that you can connect with Abby after this episode as well. If you enjoy this one, let me know. Sometimes podcasting can be a lonely thing. Of course, not when I have a guest joining me, but it's really helpful if I hear from you, if you enjoy this episode, because then I can craft more episodes similar to this one, or yeah, just speak more about topics that you're truly interested in and you want to know more about. I loved this episode. I think it's going to be helpful, but you let me know. You can do this by sharing this episode on your stories and tagging me at Kylie Camps. You can do this by sliding into my DMs. You can do this by leaving a review. If you listen to the podcast and you've not yet left a review, please do go ahead and do it. If you listen to the podcast and you don't like it, that's okay. You don't need to leave a review. Just keep going on your merry way. But anyway... Without further rambling from yours truly, let's get into my conversation with Dr. Abby Medcalf. Abby, thank you so much for setting aside some time in your day to have these conversations with me. I was just saying to you before we hit play, I've had you in my ears all morning, so it's such a pleasure to see you and get to speak to you one-on-one. 
Oh, thank you. I'm very, very excited to be here. And I ha- it's interesting on my own podcast, uh, number two is Australia. Oh, truly. I don't know why, but that is who's listening a lot. So, And I get a lot of uh, emails from folks in Australia, from Brisbane to, uh, like, uh, to Perth. Uh, it's amazing. So it's I'm excited. I feel like I'm with my people. You're probably about to get a whole lot more as well because our audience is all Australian pretty much. But obviously so many people are having the same issues wherever we live and you would hear that time and time again. I know that you've had over 30 years of experience working with couples and you have uncovered the real reason that relationships end. Talk to me. I'm all ears. (laughs) You know, and it's really, you know, it's it's really why they fail because sometimes they fail and they haven't ended. Oh, truly, yes. As, I'm, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, it's really just even that because uh, so many people are in relationships. You, we all have been there where it was already over, but we were staying in it. And, you know, all these years people, and I work a lot with individuals and couples and people always come in and say the same thing. You know, the big problem in my relationship is we don't communicate. That's all I ever hear. We don't communicate. We don't communicate. And that's true, but it's not the real cancer. It's not the real problem. The real problem causes poor communication. And the real problem that I see over and over is competition, that we compete with our partners for time, for money, for success. And we don't realize we're doing it all the time, but we do it a lot. So we say things like, it's your turn to put away the dishes, or you, you went out with your friends on Friday, so I'm going out with mine on Saturday, or you know, you spent money on this thing, so I get to spend money on this other thing. It's all this tit for tat. And that's the, think about that. So mm. you're setting yourself up against your partner you're keeping score. You're saying and that you're competing. You're keeping score. We're, we have a big scoreboard and you have five points because I'm watching everything you do <laughs> and I'm comparing it to all the things I do, which are of course more. And right. And I'm, I'm running this tally all the time and I start to feel resentful. I start to feel angry and I start truly competing with you for these things. And so it means that I don't want you to win. Because that means I lose. If, if you're over there, if, if you're winning means I, right, I lose, then I don't want that. And how on earth can you have a successful relationship based on that? And as you were speaking then, Abby, I was thinking one of the things that dropped in for me was I hear all the time from mom saying, I feel so resentful toward my partner because he gets to go to work. It's often that kind of dynamic of you get to leave the house. I'm the one carrying the domestic load. I'm raising the kids. You have a hobby. And so many, it seems like so many mothers do this as well. We we just all of a sudden, once we become mothers, mm-hmm. it's like we don't have time or space to be fun or have hobbies, whereas often male partners uh-huh. will continue with their hobbies. Yes. And so, again, that's just another form of scorekeeping, isn't it? Because it's like yep. I'm doing this, you're doing that. Yep. Well, and if you realize, and this is and definitely, and I've been through this in my own marriage with kids, you know, when suddenly the resources get very limited, right? Like, and especially if somebody's staying home, you know, maybe you're not making as much money, could be like that. But the resource, the time, I mean, you're up at night, you're sleep deprived, it just, it's terrible. And as they get older, it doesn't always get much better. It, you're constantly looking at more limited resources because everything's getting squeezed. And so 
that is really where, I mean, I think that's actually kind of the biggest place that couples start to look to the other one and say, you're having more and I'm having less. And I, I even, I'm, and I'm actually going to go off the kids for a minute, but I had a, someone not that long ago whose husband got a promotion and he was going to be traveling all over Europe. And her first response was great. You're going to be in having fun in Europe and I'm stuck at home taking care of the kids, right? It's that feeling. And so what you have to remember is your shared battery. So if my partner is drained, then I'm drained. But we always, like always look to, and I hate using that word, but it's the truth, where when something can't has to happen in the house, right? So the dishes have to be put away, Johnny has to go to softball practice on Monday, whatever. We immediately, if I can't do it, I immediately look to my partner to do it. Well, if I can't do it, you have to do it. That's how it has to be. Or I've already done all these things, so it's your turn, or right? something like that. And that's the big mistake because people are all, everyone is working at their capacity. Everybody, and people just have different capacities. And it is my experience that us women do tend to have more capacity than men. You know, that's, I think science backs that up with multitasking, all kinds of things, but it's the truth of it. And so what happens is, again, when you're keeping score in that way, we always do more than them. Always. It's not even a question. I, I've got a great man and I do more than him. You know, just it, like if you go hour to hour, right? That's mm. just how that looks. And so, but when I'm asking him to do something and I'm overwhelmed, then he's got an extra thing and now he's overwhelmed. And what's really happening is the shared battery that's us is draining. Yeah. And that's that makes problem. That makes so much sense. And then not only is the shared battery draining, it also brings in this other element of micromanaging or parenting your partner oh. because you're scorekeeping effectively, which is, you know, what you're explaining to me today. Yeah. But yeah, I guess when you are micromanaging and you're watching your partner's every move just so that you can make a mental note of what they did wrong or what they're not doing, it really does, that drains the battery as well, doesn't it? Yeah. As well as add this other layer. It really does. And there, and there's, okay. So the other thing that goes with this is that we, when you start focusing on that, you see more of it, you know, whatever we focus on kind of grows, you know, we, we, we say that a lot, but it has, and I've talked about this so much on my own podcast, you know, we have something in our brains called our reticular activating system or RAS for short, which is this, this, this filter between your conscious and your subconscious. So when I say things consciously, it, it sends it as an order to my subconscious to look for it. So the easiest example I always give is if you've ever bought a car and you see that car everywhere, right? You're thinking, you, even if you don't buy it, if you're just thinking, oh, I want a gray BMW, next thing you know, all you see is this model of this gray BMW. Or if you want to get pregnant, there are just oh, pregnant women everywhere. Everywhere. And I will tell you, when I was pregnant, I couldn't believe the amount of pregnant women around. I was like, yeah, oh my God, every time. everyone's doing everyone's it. Like, <laughs> everyone's having sex. Everybody's doing it right now. And that's not right. And then when when I, I, I write this minute, I can't remember the last time I saw a pregnant woman. There's all yes. the same amount, but I'm not noticing them. Well, the same thing happens if I'm keeping score and I'm thinking my partner never does anything. He doesn't do as much as me. He doesn't appreciate me. He's always nagging me. Whatever I'm thinking, guess what happens? That's sends it as an order to the RAS to look for that thing. So I see all this. It's a filter. So now I'm seeing all this evidence, quote unquote, of him 
not doing everything, not doing what I'm doing. And what's super scary about the RAS, because the brain is so efficient and economical, it will filter out anything that doesn't match. So when my partner is appreciative, when he says, thank you, I love you so much, when he tells me how, how beautiful I am, whatever, if that's not what my order has been, that's not what I'm focused on, it the RAS will filter it out. It doesn't hit. It doesn't land as much as the other thing. It's like your Teflon for it. And so we think we're seeing the truth when we say, well, he didn't do this, he didn't do this, he didn't do this, right? When we're keeping score. But actually you're seeing a filtered version of the truth. You just don't realize it. You don't realize that your brain has been doing this work. So you're, and so the more you focus on what's wrong, the more you will get evidence of that. So, and a lot of times people, you know, talk about law of attraction and it sounds very airy fairy and we're kind of like, ah, it's all crap. But so this is, it is law of attraction, but it's really not. It's brain. It's your brain. It's how your brain works and we all have it. Well, it's similar to our belief system, right? Because if we have a belief about ourselves and we say that consciously, just like we might say consciously, my partner never does anything or whatever, but say we have that belief about ourselves, then our brain kind of encourages us to go out and seek more proof of that right yeah here's more proof that you're useless here's more proof that you're always late and not notice the times that you're capable or on time yes yes and that's still little brains (laughs) that's a psychological uh thing we have called our confirmation bias. We, mm. we confirm what we already believe. So that, that's, that, that's that bias. So when you, when you do something psychological like the confirmation bias and you couple it with the science, your brain, your actual brain, how it's built uh, with the RAS, you see how you get in so much trouble thinking you're seeing something that's so right or so true, but it's really not. So that, that's really the first thing to understand. Like I'm not really even seeing what I think I am. Do a lot of people push back on that, Abby? Like, no, 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 no. I, I, yeah, because I can imagine there'll be people listening going, no, because I see it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you're seeing it because that's what you believe. It's not the other Mm. way around. So, and I'm not saying it's not there. It is. The problem is there's other things there. And the other issue that comes along is, you know, this is the work mostly of Barbara Fredrickson, but we have uh, pretty much a three to one ratio that for every three positive things that happen, it only takes one negative thing to cancel it out. So you're all, you're skewed towards the negative. Our brains are supposed to be skewed that way for survival, right? And, you know, John Gottman, very famous marriage researcher, he, he and his love lab showed that there was actually a five to one ratio in romantic relationships. So we're, we're really screwed <laughs> in romantic relationships, probably because our expectations are higher, right? We expect more from our partner than we do from Jane at work. Yes. And so much of this scorekeeping, I imagine, comes with the the next step that often happens as we move into domesticity. Because in the early days when we're dating, we're, I guess, less focused. Our filter is different, but we're also not sharing that domestic load, which encompasses so many of the reasons why we begin scorekeeping. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Right. It, it's really, and we know, I mean, we know the research is very clear that women do more work than men. When, and we know that men live longer when they're married. Women live shorter. Shorter. I mean, so, and I'm not saying we don't want to change this one day or, you know, we're not always working towards men, you know, showing up. I am saying though, that you can rail against the machine all day, or you can figure out another way. I I say a lot, do you want to be correct or effective? I choose effective. You can be right all day that men should be doing these things, but I'd rather use things that make it effective to happen differently. And the things I say to do a lot when you're in these situations is that you either have to add or subtract. (laughs) You either have to add resources from outside the couple in. So that's one way to go so that I'm not always looking at my partner to do it. So yeah, it's right that he should clean up the dog poop in the backyard. Okay. But he's not doing it. I end up nagging him and feeling like his mother and I'm sick of it. Right. Or I could pay little Marco next door, which I did for years, (laughs) 10 bucks a week to clean up the dog poop. And frankly, walk the dog. He loved my dog. So he would walk the dog once a day. Yeah, you should do it. We shouldn't spend our money this way. Like, right? But is it effective? Am I having like a loving, open, fabulous relationship? Or do I feel like someone's mother? So these are just choices choices to make. Like I, if you want to do it the other way, God bless you, go do it. But I didn't and I don't. And my clients don't. <laughs> I, we want to do it this other way. So one thing to think of is that, like, how do I add resources to the couple? And if you don't have money, you can barter, you know, hey, mom of a kid I barely know. <laughs> uh, could you drive the kids to school on Mondays and Wednesdays and I'll do Tuesday, Thursday? Absolutely. Boom, I just got Monday, Wednesday open, right? Absolutely. Didn't cost me a penny. I've spoken about this with date nights because so many people will say we can't have date nights. I'm like, surely you have friends that have children as well. Or if you don't, this is, you know, another reason why it's a great idea to get to know other other parents in your area. And yeah, start a bit of a rotation and it might not be date nights because that could be hard with kids, but maybe it's date afternoons or I'm going to take the kids for two hours so you guys can have lunch. Like just that bartering system, because sometimes you just can't justify $50 on a babysitter when you're going to be spending $100 on lunch or whatever it is. Yeah. No, it's so true. You're having a meal going, oh my God, this is a $200 lunch. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not even that good. Um, (laughs) And I'm not having sex. Like, what what am I doing wrong? So, so yes. So, so think of how you can add a resource and anything in the house, you know, if you can, we spent a lot of money early on. I remember putting less money in things like retirement, I swear, to pay for people to help. Because I thought, you know, a divorce is going to be more expensive. Like, I don't know what to say. Or just my mental health. And it's funny. People will pay money for therapy and all kinds of other things and then won't pay for someone to come, like, drive their kids to soccer practice. I'm I'm like, that's money better spent. (laughs) But, you know, think of – be inventive, right? Be creative and add resources in whatever way you can, paid or not. And then the other thing to do is think of what you can minus. What can, you know, you guys have the same plate. Your partner can't take anything off your plate because it's a shared plate. You're, you're, there's nothing that they can do to take it off. It so, all has to be done. Right? It's, 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 and it's our plate together. So if I'm, if I'm giving it to you, it's still on my plate because we're a shared battery. We're a shared plate. So I'm just moving around the mashed potatoes for no apparent reason. So let's not do that. So I say a lot, take things off the plate. Like what can go? What are you so sure has to happen in this perfect way 
that really doesn't. You know, that just right now we're not putting money in our savings because we're going to pay for this thing, right? Or we're not going to, my kids were not in 20 things. They were not in, you know, 10 sports and an instrument and a whatever. I did not have the bandwidth for that. I have to, I had to work full time. I didn't have the bandwidth for shifting all that stuff around. So we didn't do it. We never, we still don't travel on the holidays. Not going to do it. It's too much of a, it's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to travel in the hall. It's super expensive. It's 10 times the price. I Everyone's crazy. I don't want to do it. So when all the kids were coming back on ski week and we were in Barbados, my kids were not. They were like, no, we were home. I don't know what to say. Like we did things, but we just didn't. We, we were always choosing. Where is this easier? Where do we not have to worry about keeping up with everybody and doing what everyone else is doing? And where can I give up my house looking perfect or my children eating perfectly organic homemade food? You know, I, my kid ate my kids ate Lunchables on the playground, and I will tell you, do you have Lunchables in Australia? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think ours are called Munchables. It's like some oh, sort good, of fake, I love it. fake meat with a side right? of M and M's or something. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. And you know what? And they're all in plastic and it's all like not recyclable. It's terrible. It's the worst thing. And guess who had those things every minute? My children. Because I, and, and I was, and I'm, I, I'm from New York City, but I'm here in Berkeley, California, like this very funky, cool, everyone's organic. All the moms run around and from yoga and I'm in my stilettos and my New York look, right? And I'm handing my kids, and they have like homemade mashed avocado with something that they're giving their kids, you know? And I was like handing my kid a Lunchable. Like I, because that's the best I could do. Yes. And you've got to I choose did, your battles right? and your energy resources. This is it. But, you know, or, and I didn't beat up on myself about it. Sometimes I feel a little like, oh, my. Although all the other mothers were mad because their kids wanted my kids Lunchables, of course. Of course. <laughs> and so the mother and mothers were looking at me very disdainfully. Um, you know, I did my best. And, and my kids are happy and healthy and wonderful. And I have a great relationship with them. And that's really all I cared about. So it was anything towards that goal. You know, but, you know, when we get all caught up and it has to be this way, it has to be that way. The kitchen must be clean every night. I cannot walk downstairs into a dirty kitchen. When you get to that place, it, it creates something where there's no room. And so you have to figure out, I do need the kitchen clean at night. I'm not going to lie. But that's why I have Lunchables. You know what I mean? Like I, I gave up somewhere to have something else that was more important. It sounds like it's really important to refine what's truly important because it is really easy to get so caught up in the keeping up with other people, especially with social media. Everyone yep. has a perfect family and a perfect house and a perfect yep. morning routine and whatnot. So it's very easy, I guess, to put this pressure on ourselves to yeah. be perfect and stretch ourselves across all these areas. But what I'm hearing from you, Abby, is it's like actually getting maybe quieter with yourself and going, what's truly important? So my relationship is truly important. So that means rather than micromanaging or scorekeeping, I am going to take that $10 from somewhere else and put that towards a dog walker. Yep. Or rather than ask my partner 48 times to mow the lawn, I'm just going to book someone to mow the lawn. Yep. And if he doesn't like it, then he'll start mowing the lawn. Right, right. So it's like taking the dis like the management tasks away. Yep. I love it. We we have, a, and I will say, a really easy thing that I think all couples should do is a weekly couples business meeting where you have a little Google Doc 
and anything that has, you know, this, uh, the back door, the cat door has to be fixed or the, you know, this, we have to do something, you know, we're always, uh, there's a leak in the faucet over here. All that stuff goes on the Google doc instead of all week, you know, Hey, did you do the thing yet? Hey, did you do, Oh, we also have this. And I can remember my husband saying, it feels like you're asking me all the time to do stuff. You know, they, they feel like children. So they act like children because we're yeah, ordering you're always around. at me. Yeah. yeah. So when we went to the Google Doc thing, we'd sit once a week for half an hour and go over it. And our rule was if something was, and then we'd decide whose job it was, right? And then you had till next week. You had till next week. And so, and when we sat the next week to look at the little doc again, if something wasn't done, it was immediate that I would call the guy (laughs) to come do the thing. I didn't say, oh, you didn't do this or what's wrong with you or why can't you do it? That's just how it was. It, it was like, if it doesn't happen, it's fine. And we're going to call a guy and we're going to have to use money for that. And that's just how it is. I love this tip because all too often, you know, in the past, and this is helpful as well, but in the past I've spoken to other guests and they've really spoken about how important it is to unpack your resentments and own your resentments and take back your control and get at peace with yourself and all of those things, which are super important, but I love a practical takeaway. And it sounds like this is such an effective tool because it's two people agreeing, Hey, this is important to our battery life. Let's set aside that time. And so rather than him or or her, your partner feeling like you're coming at them, it's like, no, no, we're coming together. And this is agreed. This is a welcome time to bring this stuff up. And then yep. we leave it. Yes. And Love if that. I'm telling you, it makes all the difference in not feeling nagged all the time. It makes all the difference in me tracking something to see if it happened or didn't happen. I mean, there's emergencies. If a pipe bursts, you call the guy anyway. So it doesn't matter. But in everything else, most things can wait. We would talk about summer camps. You know, those were the bane of my existence for years. <laughs> like, what are the kids going to do in the summer, right? Uh, we would talk about vacations and budgeting vacations. We had those on the list. So we would come back to it. And t- and something stayed on the list week after week like that, like vacations or something. We wouldn't necessarily get to it every week. But it was okay. And you just taxes, anything that we had to have any kind of like, we're doing this. It was one place, one time. We're not talking about it all week. I'm not going to remind you again. And we just had this agreement that I'm I'm not going to say, oh, now I'm going to have to call the guy. You know, I just, I just will call the guy. Yeah. It, no resentment, no upset. It's okay because we're all doing the best with the tools we have. And when couples that you've worked with, or that you hear from have implemented this type of strategy, is it common then to see their connection and desire yes. and intimacy improve? Because 100%. something I hear a lot is my partner and I feel like roommates. We don't yeah. feel like we're in a romantic partnership. We just feel like ships in the night. And yeah, I guess my question is, what are some other ways people might be able to rekindle that desire and move away from feeling like their roommates. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I love that. So, and there's a lot, I I would say the big thing is not to focus on the big thing because people, they, they say, Oh, we'll have plenty of vacation. We'll have a couple's weekend. We'll go on date night. We'll first of all, yeah, we'll renew our, Oh my God. Don't even get me started. The date night always has pressure, right? You're supposed to have sex after. And so there's this built-in pressure around it, which is its own issue. But all of that is a lot of, it's not the day-to-day. I I have a little thing where I say, you know, great relationships aren't built in a day. Great relationships are built daily. 
And it's that daily that. thing that we're doing. So um, like G- Gary and I do a thing, which I would highly recommend. I-, I focus on the micro connections. So we do a thing every day where whoever comes home, whoever's home first, right? So somebody's coming home and I, I can think of last night and I heard him come. I was actually home first, which never happens, but I was home first. And so, and we run to the door. We pretend we're like golden retrievers, you know, like I just stopped what I was doing. I was in the middle of work. I was doing some work on my computer and I just stopped. It's okay. And I ran to the door and we waited. I waited the door. <laughs> we waited the door for each other, like, like all excited. I love and that. We come in and we always like, you know, some of us will dip me or we, we make out or we're just hugging or, you know, and it's just like, I'm so happy to see you, you know, like really like, hi. Yeah. Hello. I see you. I'm glad I'm that you're part are. of my day. Yeah. Yes. I am greeting you. I'm so happy to see you. I haven't seen you all day. It's really nice to be together again. So there's this little wonderful moment of connection right there, right? Instead of, you know, I'm in the other end of the house, honey, I'm home. All right. Hey, I'm going to have dinner. You know, like, and we're yelling to each other. And, and I'm not even paying attention because I'm still doing my work. He's doing his thing. He's not. And in, this takes literally less than a minute, unless you make out for a while. But I mean, literally, we're talking about like a few, right? 20 seconds. And then I go back to what I was doing. We don't, we don't have to keep. But it's just this nice thing. And so to have those throughout the day, we do another thing like when we both get to work, because sometimes I don't see him in the morning because I'm running and he's running. We, we both get to work. Sometimes we jump on a Zoom. And like, we're both doing work in the, in our offices and we just have the zoom on. Yeah. Just we're not even yeah. talking. We're just like, Hey, like just, or we do a little texting or something or, you know, when I'm away, uh, um, for work or some, you know, I'll go on a speaking thing or whatever. We text at night, you know, we, Oh, we just, we connect. We just, it's the sort of thing yeah. you do when you're dating or when you're in a new yes. relationship. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. It's like I treat it like that all the time. I would also say he never gets to, he doesn't just get to see me naked. Like if I'm taking off my clothes, takes a minute. You're going to get a little I love show. that. You're going to get a that. tiny show. I wear, I, I still wear matching lingerie. Like it doesn't take much to have the match as opposed to not, you know, it, it's, always, and I'm always comfortable. I love women always say this to me, like, well, you're dressed up, but you're not comfortable. I'm like, I am comfortable. I'm comfortable all the time. Like, I'm always comfortable. Yeah. I'm not wearing like a corset, you know, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> and because but it's true to your style. It's true to my style. And yeah. I do my thing, you know, and I'm looking my way, you know, and that's, and cause that's how I feel sexier. It's how I feel better. So for me, and especially when you've been together a long time and we're old, you know, you gotta, you gotta find it where you find it, you know, you gotta create it in whatever way. And so I'm not saying you have to lay around in like crotchless panties, you know, I'm just saying, be thoughtful, be a little thoughtful about how you look. And sometimes our men are not. And like, I've laid down some ground rules. The other thing I would tell you is clothes the damn bathroom door. I don't know why people think it's good to have the door. I do not want Gary ever going down on me and thinking about me peeing. Okay. Mm -hmm. I I do not even, or, or, or pooping even worse. Like I do not. And I don't want to think about that with him. Yeah. You know, familiarity gets hard anyway, because we see each other all the frigging time and when we're sick and when we're whatever. So don't make it worse. A little bit of mystery is a good thing. Thank you. Close door. He is not allowed to fart in front of me. Like, that's not funny. That's not cute. I don't want to hear you. I don't want you to blow up the bathroom and say, oh, it smells in here. Don't talk about it. Yeah. I don't. 
It's oh, okay. I'm so in the same camp with you. And my um, my boyfriend's just recently moved in with me, and oh. my on, my ensuite doesn't have a door on it, so <gasps> he doesn't use that toilet. He goes to the other toilet. That's his yeah. toilet. And if I'm going to the bathroom, he exits the like, master bedroom because I'm like, you guys, I need some mystery. Um, but the other thing, when you mentioned about greeting your partner, I have lived that because I was in a long term relationship and married. I have nearly nine-year-old twins. Um, definitely I can relate to my partner, my ex coming home from work or me coming, returning from the gym or whatnot and barely acknowledging one another. You know, yeah. you might look up and go like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah that <laughs> type of thing. Or uh, you got to get the kids or you got to do right. this, you got to do that versus being in a relationship now. And it's a where we've been together nearly eight and a half months, so it's early days. But the difference in how we greet one another, that's why when you said like you're still doing it now, I'm like, yeah, that's what you do in the early days because when he's coming home from work, sometimes I'll be waiting on the driveway or he'll walk in the door and the first thing he does is pick me up and it's like we're so excited to see each other. And so it's really nice, I guess, to hear for you, you've been in a long-term partnership and you're still doing these things. Like you can make the choice to keep doing these things but it's going to have to be that choice. It's always a choice. And you yeah. know, it's really interesting. Helen Fisher did this. Um, you know, she's the famous biological anthropologist, yeah. right? The great Ted talk. She, they compared MRIs of people who said that they were in, you know, self-reported were in love. Right. And so, you know, these are MRIs are functional MRIs, brain imaging, and they compared the MRIs of people who were together 20 years or more who said we're in love. And they compared them to very new couples, you know, the the new, right? All that fun. The same. Oh, truly. Yep. Wow. So you yeah, do not see, have to go down. Because I would have thought, oh, no, a different part of your brain nope. is lit same up. Brain. Same wow. brain. Wow. There we and go. And there are some different differences, but the same, that part where love is, the part yeah. where we think all that is, that the VTA area is the same it looks the same on both scans. Wow, there you so go. You can absolutely have this deepening of things. And and relationships are like are like a business. I think they're a business, you know. It it they go up and down. You have boon years and you have you know, <laughs> bad years. Like it goes up and down. And so it's really though about choosing to reconnect all the time. Do you know what I mean? Choosing to reconnect. And there's times when, yeah, when you have, oh God, when I just had babies or something, it wasn't like I felt like, oh, I can't wait to have sex. You know, you, you, you got to figure it out together. And that's the thing. You have to be a team. So it's not like one person wants to have more sex and the other person doesn't, right? And the, so you think, well, the person who wants to have more sex is right. And the person who wants to have less sex is wrong. You have to get rid of that. You have to get to, these are my preferences right now. And that's all they are. It's like an opinion. It's not right or wrong. It just is. It's what I would prefer. Right now, I prefer blowjobs. Right now, I prefer more sex. Right now, I prefer this. And you don't. So that doesn't make it, and your preference is different. So nobody's wrong. Nobody's right. Nobody has to get dragged to one side or the other. It's more about, okay, so we have these differences. How can we come together? What can we think about that? create some connection in a different way. And one of my favorite questions to ask your partner, if you're not happy with the sex, with your sex life is to ask your partner, uh, it's not to tell them all the things they are doing wrong or all the things you want, but instead to say, Hey, uh, 
you know, and to get a nice, a time when you're connecting, you know, which is always nice. And to say, what would you like to see more of in our sex life? What would you like to see more of in our sex life? That's a real, that's a much more expanding question. Yeah. It's more of a conversation than you go. you're not going down on me. Yes. You're not doing this. It's hey, men love we, hearing that. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> they, <laughs> they, they react great. Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, more of an expanding conversation starter of, hey, what would you like more of? Because I've been thinking I'd like more of this. And then it's that joint coming together that makes so yep. much sense. And that's how you start the conversation by asking, a, by truly being curious. This is how you start any conversation, mm. by truly being curious and asking what, you know, what, tell me more about that. What would you like to see more of? Give me another example. And yes, and at some point you can say, would you want to ask me that question? And they might say no. And you're like, you got to deal with it. But most of the time people say, well, yeah, okay. What do you want to see more of? And, you know, and then you're, you're, you're off and running. It's like, well, how could we do that? How could we come together? How could we, it's so funny in business, in like a organization, when things aren't going well, we don't just throw stuff at it. We ask questions. We ferret out. We we try to get to it. We call it a root cause analysis, right? We try to get to like, what's the real issue here? And but you, the only way to do that is to ask questions <laughs> and to like, well, how does that work? And wh- why did you do it that way? And tell me more, right? But for some and- reason, when things are broken in our personal relationships, we we just start, I don't like this and you're not doing it right. And I want you to do this. And it's so crazy to me. Of course that doesn't work. And then we're we're like, well, why, you know, why aren't I getting what I want? I, I tell people a lot, you are, you have every right to your, uh, to your emotions, to your feelings, but you don't have a right to your reactions. So I have every right. If I, you know, I do, however I feel about something, I get to have it. I get to have, it's my feelings, but I don't get to just react. Like if my react, if I didn't like something you did and I punched you in the face, that's okay. Cause that's my reaction. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. I'm going to punch you that it's not acceptable. And it's the same with when we yell at people or tell them how bad they are or tell them what we need. It's a reaction. We're, we're, we're scared. We're feeling, you know, Oh my God, is this ever going to change? I, I, I'm so, I'm so afraid of losing this relationship that I'm going to yell at you (laughs) and I'm going to criticize you. I love that distinction. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's going to be a massive takeaway for so many listeners. You have a right to your feelings, but not a right to a, like an unnecessary reaction that's yeah. going to inflame the situation. Yes. Um, and I think all too often people do conflate the two and think, well, I yelled because that's how I felt. And yes. it's like, no, no, you had a feeling and then your reaction was to yell. Yes. And it's not your real feeling. Anger is a top emotion. And Celeste Ang, who wrote like Little Fires Everywhere, or I don't even read fiction, but I wrote this book somehow, but she had the best line in there that I wish I had written. It's the best line ever. And she says, anger is the bodyguard of fear. Yeah, that's powerful. I've I've not heard it framed that way about fear. I'd heard it framed that way about sadness, like under anger, there's Mm -hmm. always a sadness, but it's so true, fear and fear. Um, unfortunately calls so many shots in our lives. And I was saying to you before we hit record, I was listening to one of your podcast episodes this morning, and I'll put the link to this exact episode in our show notes, where you were talking about how important it is to ensure that you're not making decisions from a fear-based place, including decisions like, should I stay or should I go? And 
as I said to you again before we hit record, because I went through a divorce three years ago and I've shared so much of my life, it's like there is a little section of women who have nominated me as someone that they can turn to to ask the question, when should I exit my relationship? And I rarely know what to say. And so that podcast was such a helpful resource. Mm. And I know you can't squeeze it all into these couple of minutes, but would you mind, I guess, ending our conversation today on why it's important to not let fear be the one that's calling all of the shots? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, you know, and it comes from literally your, when you're in a fear based place, which means hate, rage, overwhelm, confusion, resentment, think of all the fear-based emotions, right? You can kind of list them easily. You're engaged in your amygdala, which is this fear part of your brain. And when you're engaged in that part of your brain, the thinking part of your brain, which is your prefrontal cortex, can't come online. So your rational, problem-solving, thoughtful, compassion, uh, appreciate all that literally, it looks like there's a blanket in a functional MRI. It looks like there's a blanket over that part of the brain when the amygdala is lit up. So you can't make good decisions. You can't make healthy ones. So when you're, and you no love relationship was made better by fear. I mean, just ever. And so I tell people all the time, I want you to take action from inspiration, not negative motivation. So you don't take action to leave someone because you're afraid of being alone. Do you hear the language? Because you're afraid that they're going to find someone else and be happier than you. This is all, so I'm not going to break up with them. This is all negative motivation, right? That's not, you're not inspired. You leave because you want to be the best person you know how to be. And you don't feel like this is bringing you that. You're leaving because you know that, wow, I found this person. It has some of the things I want. I just know there's someone with all the things I want. You leave because you have uh, your self-respect, your how you feel about yourself, your esteem keeps getting hit in this relationship. And you love yourself too much for that. You leave, see, like that's different than the bitterness and the resentment and the F you and the, the, the worry that they're going to be happy or you're not gonna, or you're going to be lonely. That is never the reason to go, to stay. And I imagine a lot of people again would say to you, I have a big fear about leaving my partner because we have children together and I don't want it to cause adverse childhood experiences to them. I don't want to add to their childhood trauma. So I'm going to choose to stay in this relationship. And for a lot of women and mothers, in, you know, mothers, they might think that's a loving decision, you know, because they love their children so much that they're not going to put their kids through that. But yeah. as you explained in your podcast, you've got to go yeah. deeper than that surface yeah. love for your kids and get yeah. to the root cause, as we've discussed in our conversation today, it's really fear yes. because you're afraid of what it's going to do to your kids. So then yes. you're not making that choice to stay in the relationship from the motivated, inspired place. It's from fear. Yep. yep. And I will, and I will share, I, I was divorced many, many, many years ago. And I, so I, and I'm really close to my ex and he's the dad, father, of my little kid, my kids who are big now. Um, and I love his wife and I, it's all good. It's a beautiful thing. And my kids are in, in healthy relationships. We all get along great because there's, there are pr- the protective factors for kids in divorce. There's three what, that, that are in the research. One is that you put the kids first and whatever the decisions are. 
Two is the level of connection that each parent has with each kid. So if those are strong, that's great. And then the third is the level of tension between the and conflict parents. between mm-hmm. the parents. So if you live in a high conflict home, that is detrimental to children. We know that. Like we know high conflict is detrimental to kids. We know this. So, and if you're running around with resentment and everything else and anger, and I'm not saying to leave marriages easily. Like I I appreciate that when there's kids involved, people take their time. I think it's really important and I commend anyone who does. And whenever we're at that level of deciding that, first of all, that we think someone else's happiness is linked to this one event, that's never true kind of in anything. And and again, we're coming from fear. We're worried about this future of our children. Trust me, my parents were married for 53 years, never got divorced or anything. And I was a, I'm a recovering heroin addict. I mean, like, I don't know what to tell you, you know, like you can stay married and kids can have lots of problems. <laughs> so that's not the be all end all. It's so true. We often get caught up thinking if I do everything right, they're going to have the right life. Or like even another example is, you know, parents will say, I want to have another sibling so that my kids are always close. There are so many sibling adults that never even speak or see one another. You can't control everything. You can't. You can only do your best within that. And I will say this, you know, my ex is super happy with his wife. Like I see them together. I can't even believe he and I were together. Like I really can't. They are so cute and they are so amazing together. They're little hippies. I mean, they're adorable. They're, they want the same things in retirement. I love it. So they're happy. I'm happy. We all go out together. Like my kids are happy. Like it, it, they see happy people around them. They have, they have more adults who love them. My kids are so lucky. They have four very loving parents. Like, What's they would say like, oh, God, all these parents, <laughs> you know, they, they sort of joke about it, but they also really get it. Like they have four people they can count on. You know, yeah. when my daughter's sick at school, guess what? I'm usually like, can you call Evelyn? Like, I, <laughs> like I'm, I'm working, you know, she's home, you know, and Evelyn can go pick her up. It's what it's so cool. You know, yeah. Gary's Gary's has an ex-wife. She and I we were texting this morning. Like, I love her. Like, you can do it. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that a divorce equals a tragedy and right. a, that a divorce or a family separation equals animosity. Exactly. There are it other really ways to do it. That's your choice too. Amazing. And that's something you can create. And I've created it on both sides. And it wasn't like all easy and just do it. it you know, it takes thought and intention, but absolutely you can choose the life you want for your kids. And there can be more love in their life through a divorce than less. Definitely. Abby, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. Where can our listeners connect with you more? I know that you have an incredible weekly newsletter that your community just adore receiving. How can our listeners sign up for that? So my weekly, I call it a love letter because it's a love letter. It's just my, it's meant to inspire people every week. I don't sell stuff. I don't, it's not, that's not what it is. It's, I don't do anything sleazy. (laughs) Everything is like here for you. So abbymedcalf.com is just, I'm sure you'll link to that. My, my website it's, and it's M-E-D, not T that's people, Medcalf. Um, And right on the top, it says love letter and you just click on it and put in your email and you'll start getting it. And I write it every week. I take off four weeks a year, two, you know, two weeks in the summer and two weeks in, around the holidays. And it's, uh, it's just that. And people, I do, they love it. I, I get so much great satisfaction from it, from helping people. And 
there's free the free mindfulness starter kit on the website, free meditation starter kit on the website, and they're really free. I you don't have to buy anything, <laughs> you don't have to put in a credit card, you, you know, nothing. Um, really meant to help people. So if you poke around on the website, and the podcast is there, all the things, all the all the things, social all media, all the things. Perfect. And for all of our listeners, if you just head to the show notes, I will link directly to the website. I'll also link to your TED Talk, your mindfulness resources, and your podcast, because I know so many of our listeners are going to want to jump over and hit subscribe. You You and I are actually going to record a little bonus episode talking about the five signs of a healthy relationship. So I'll say thank you so much for your time now, and then we'll get stuck into that one. Oh, yeah. One more thing before you run off and get on with your day. I've recorded a part two with Dr. Abby Medcalf, where Abby speaks about the five signs of a healthy relationship. And when I was having this conversation with Abby, I was again, as I said at the start of this episode, still taking notes. There's some really thought provoking, but also just easy um, and practical tips that she shares in this part two. Now, part two is exclusive to the Venti membership. If you're interested in hearing part two, as well as the whole back catalog of episodes that we have in the Venti membership and everything else that we have coming moving forward, it's super, super simple to sign up. The Venti membership will cost you less than $1.75 per week and it gives you access to so many bonus episodes and really exciting series that we have coming up, including a big focus on desire, a big focus on your best life reset and so much more. All of the details are in the show notes. You can find it easily, but I would love to have you over in the Venti membership. And I know you're going to definitely take something away from part two with Abby. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going to come and see? Whatever you want to do, you know what's cool with me. Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 